Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining Quantum Witch Cafe today. I'm Priscilla Stone, your host. Thank you to everybody in the live chat for joining. And also, if you're listening on Anomalous Podcast Network, thank you for joining there as well. Today, we have Geraldine Orozco on for a part two. Part one, we talked about uh, the hybridization program and different experiences people may have had, kind of like a layout of what happens, you know, normally, I guess it's not normal for that to happen to some people, but in, um, in that type of experience, we talked about timelines of like, this is what happens then, this is what happens sometimes, and this is what happens sometimes. So um, today we're going to talk more about uh, the occupants. There's been a lot of curiosity about the occupants involved and we want to know more. And Geraldine has a lot of experience with different types of people and different types of experiences. So Geraldine, for people that have not met you or did not tune into our first interview, who are you? And can you give us a bio? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Geraldine Orozco and I am, well, let's see, I'm, I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist. Uh, I'm a NLP practitioner. I'm a quantum um, pranic energy healer. I'm a Qigong master. Um, and I have, I'm a lifelong contactee essentially. Um, and I have gone through a major awakening in 2013 through a conscious contact experience in which I was taken out of my bedroom, uh, in the physical form and experienced everything in vivo. Um, and so it kind of changed my life and it brought me into the work that I'm doing here today where I became a, a hypnotherapist in order to assist other contactees who are having that experience and diving deep into understanding major questions. Why are we here? What is this about? What is contact experience about? You know, what are our, what is our purpose as a, as a whole, as an individual in the collective? Um, so that's kind of what, what I do. Um, and I host these hypnotherapy sessions as well as DNA reprogramming. Um, and um, through my work, discovered something called holographic DNA um, and um, just how to work with that, uh, with my intuitive abilities. And that's what I do in, in DNA reprogramming. Very cool. So you do a lot of different things and you do a lot of you offer a lot of support to people as well with your groups. Right. So you have a couple um, a month. You have two a month or is it one? The support group, uh, it's it's one support group, but it has two different events and we have different events coming up. Um, usually the beginning of the month, we have a support group in the second part of the month. We are hosting events like training courses uh, to activate and to continue to develop your intuitive abilities. A majority of contactees tend to have pretty high intuitive abilities they are highly empathic uh, as a result of these experiences or from birth. So um, we try to provide some programs to assist in that in remote viewing, learning how to to channel light language, how to channel in general, um, drawing out their experiences. Uh, sometimes we do group hypnotherapy to address certain aspects of contact experiences. Um, so it's kind of interactive like that. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. And you've worked with a lot of people, right? Um, and the only reason I'm asking this is there might be some people like saying, oh, well, why is she the expert? Like people that follow you know why you're so knowledgeable about the subject. But for those that maybe are watching this, like why, why would they know what we're about to talk about? How many people roughly have you dealt with for hypnotherapy and client-wise? Um, you can give like a rough, a rough estimate. I'm sure you don't have your, you know, 
you know. Yes. Well, um, you know, I became a hypnotherapist specifically to work with uh, people that were having contact and interdimensional experiences because a lot of people that go into therapy, uh, well, let's start with a lot of people that end up with contact experiences tend to end up with PTSD because they're incapable of merging the experiences with their everyday life. And when they go seek help in a psychiatrist, psychologist, um, sometimes they're met with, you know, uh, invitations to be put on meds mm-hmm. um, and the support isn't really there even in in hypnotherapy it's not really provided by it by psychologists um, and there's many reasons for that that you know uh, we can go into but um, primarily uh, when that occurs it really causes a really huge feeling of disconnect and disassociation to everything you know and it causes even more PTSD for the individual experiencing that so I wanted to provide support and there are many people in the field that are providing that support. Um, I've been working for the past uh, five, six years in this. So I, I'm working with about two, 300 people. And I, I work and consult with many, many more people than that for the past couple of years. Uh, I mean, hundreds of men and women do come out to talk about the hybridization and also contact experience with me. Um, and why am I an expert in it? Well, um, you know, it, from I have been an ex- a contactee since the age of five and uh, experienced many experiences, but more importantly, a very conscious experience in the physical, which is not very common for people to have experiences where they're taken into a craft and remember everything. And as a result of that experiences, I had heightened psychic abilities directly resulting from that experience. And that was quite interesting. And so it changed my life from that perspective. And um, yeah. Very interesting. And that seems to be a pattern, right, amongst people that have experiences like you may be coming. We all come into the world, you know, open gifts, open intuitiveness, but something happens to us, you know, and by the age of five, we've already lost those skills sometimes. So when somebody has a contact experience or even a light in the sky experience, what I mean, like it opens something and that also leads to like other gifts opening and other experiences like this, just the spirit world in general. Right. And the empathic quality around people that have been contactees is also extreme. It's like they are very aware of their energetic feelers around them. And mm-hmm. that's something that's not talked about a lot. You know, we've all been focused recently about the excitement with the government making the new office. We all know that they're going to give us what they give us. I think the main point of that was to have them say, acknowledge these things, right, is the big deal. So it's not like we're putting too much weight on that. But with while they're doing their thing and getting their office together and collecting whatever they're doing, it's nice to maybe focus on something else, like the experiencer side of it and those experiencers and who they've interacted with. Um, I don't want to say what, because I feel like they're a who, like, you know, they're not a thing. It's not like a pen. You're not interacting with a pen or something. You're interacting with a sentient being, even if it's a non-human intelligence. And so tonight, that's what I'd like to get into. I know there's a couple different kinds of beings that people see a lot. And the ones that people talk about the most are the grays, right? Um, yeah, they seem to be the most popular uh, that people recognize the beings with big eyes, uh, whether they're gray and, and oftentimes they're they're usually short, uh, you know, when they have their experience, usually between three and four feet tall. And sometimes you'll hear the experiences where they're much taller, like seven feet or something like that. Um, 
Um, but yeah, so, and, and there's a couple reasons for this. I mean, we, we, we need to also look at the history of ET contact in the media, right, historically, and um, also the role that the CIA has also played in uh, seeding a lot of information about this information about uh, ET contact as well as in the 50s. Um, and I think that played a big role in our perception and our expectation into what we would be seeing if we would have contact with 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 an ex, with a interdimensional being or or another being from another world or realm. Um, and but when you go deeper into these topics and you begin to study the ranges of species that people seem to be always coming across, there seems to be kind of some kind of definition of some sort to that. And what I've kind of uh, come to see is that there seems to be um, more so than the facade because there are, uh, you know, Lyrans, Draconians, Reptilians, uh, uh, Pleiadians, all of these kinds of species. Um, the origin of all these species seem to come from the Draconian race and they seem to evolve into the reptilian and from there into a huge spectrum of species. And I think um, since the evolution, since the beginning of these races, uh, it looks like um, there has been a great mixture and genetic modification of these races until you reach mankind. So in other words, we are essentially a cocktail of that DNA. We are a cocktail. We have all of these different species within our genetic structure and the architecture of ourselves. Um, but if you look at historically what we come across, we seem to always um, see the beings that are most attuned to our vibrational frequency. Okay. So what, what's happening really is that we are meeting ourselves in a sense in these kinds of experiences when we, co we connect with, with greys and then with other species. Um, I think a lot of people also have filters in their subconscious mind about what they should expect to see because people do watch a lot of films on sci-fi mm -hmm. and they get the information from there. But I also tend to believe that a lot of these films are also seeded in a lot of truths, I think, um, you know, in that we're, we're seeing draconians, reptilians, these greys, because there is some truth to that. Like there, there are these kinds of manifestations that we come across. Yeah, because um, we see it in ancient artwork as well. These beings right. with big eyes, they've got, people say it looks like a helmet. It could be their head. I mean, who knows, right? But this goes all the way back to since humans started recording their history in Sumeria. And, you know, if you're more open-minded, there were civilizations before that, like Atlantis right. and Lemuria. And that's possibly where these beings started interacting um, initially. And I believe that. I know not everybody's on board with it, but we don't, I mean, everything's on the table right now, especially since we know nothing about our DNA, essentially. Yeah. You know, junk DNA. What does it do? Where did it come from? Um, right. Recognize it if it's from somewhere else. Exactly, and I'd love to touch a little bit on that as well. But um, you know, you're, uh, you know, what where we're looking at the traces in his history of these Anunnakis, for example, that you find all over the world that look exactly the same and that are kind of carrying out the same role of these godlike beings that are descending from the sky, and then they merge in order to create the human race or to create this hybrid. Uh, you know, being. So essentially, we are those hybrids. And um, we have 
come from that origin into what we are now, the human race. And this information, this genetic information has organized itself on Earth in such a beautiful manner. Um, and every single human really has that cocktail. They are a combination yeah. of many different races. So they're tuning in to the races that are most prevalent in their lineage, most recent. Like in my case, and I hear this all the time from my contactees that come to the group, they have these certain, well, you know, it has a lot to do with, with many different things. Even the art, uh, astrological signs, for example, are somehow uh, a snapshot of the energetic frequency. The day that you are born are a snapshot of energetic frequency. Um, when you when you look at how the family that you've come into, um, right. it's a vibrational frequency that you're a match to. You combine to that. And when we talk about contact, um, you seem to have these lineages going down your family since the origin of your family as well, right. because they have also had contact. Um, so a lot of times they see in families similar things. Uh, I've seen that in my family, and we never spoke about ET right. before I became public, you know. Um, so so it's very interesting to see that. And the contact that they're having is with their starseed lineages, you know. Right. My, my contact was the, with the Pleiadians. My contact was with these greys as well. Mm. Um, so how it happens is is really, really interesting. It is interesting. And um, I feel like all these people having experiences that are beginning to remember their experiences, uh, it's almost like they click right away. Like when, mm -hmm. when I meet somebody that's had an experience, even before they told me they've had an experience, it's kind of like they already feel like family. And this gets into like what people like to call the woo box, but I feel like I live in the woo box most of the time. Um, but I, I don't know. I've experienced so many unexplainable things. It's really not woo to me. I mean, it's real to me because I've experienced. And a lot of people I know that I see in the chat have had um, some sort of experience they can't explain with the exception of a few. But they are still, even the people that I see in the chat that haven't had the experience are extremely supportive. So we just have a good group here, basically. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, the similarities and when we talk about the grays, because I had and the reason I'm bringing them up over and over is because people ask have been asking me. And that's one of the reasons I reached out to you, because I can say like, like, you know, maybe these are the four kinds that I've had experiences with two in waking and the rest was like a, you know, sleep paralysis event or something like that. So I. I know people are like, well, there's so many different types of grays and what is, and somebody actually asked me like, what is their job kind of thing? Mm -hmm. So, okay. Do we have any, um, I'm sure that you have some input for that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so let's look at it this way. The short grays are really much like, um, artificial intelligence it's organic artificial intelligence this is what we're dealing with when we're dealing with this kind of uh, uh okay and what does it mean to be artificial okay this is it means that it's consciousness that is programmed to do something if you think about that uh some of us are quite in that 
artificial consciousness state because we're unaware of ourselves we're in hypnosis and so we're directed what to do and we carry out those roles we are directed by the information in our genetics we're directed by our environment so on and so forth so um, these short grays are in a sense this kind of artificial intelligence um, some of them and they are majority in 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 the main roles that they play usually they're carrying out um, you know all the small little work they're like little little robots that are there to carry out little things they um a lot of times they are the ones that will go and, and get you know the bodies the people and they will bring them into these crafts and they will begin to have these kinds of experiences um and uh, a lot of people uh, claim to have uh, see these small graves that seems to be the most a prominent thing in their in their contact but they also feel the presence of other beings that are there as well it can be anything from mantids it can be draconians it can be reptilians it can be pleiadians or light beings um, people are experiencing a combination of things so what that that helps us understand is that these grays are not only let's say a race that's dedicated to a specific agenda they seem to be working in combination and in connection with all of these other kinds of species um, and the kind of experience that people are having are not always positive sometimes they're negative and sometimes they're incredibly high vibrational um, so so as you can see there's there's a change to that and I think that their perception of life and their perception of themselves has a lot to do with how they're going to perceive what they're experiencing as well um, these agendas and the things that are being carried out are very complex and um, it, th this part of contact can be very traumatizing for man because they feel helpless and they feel completely disempowered with kind of technology, the advanced psychic abilities that's being presented. The communication is usually telepathic and even the movement of the body is directed without touching or without any kind of technology. It is just through the mind, you know, telekinesis um, that they are actually moving a lot of this. And the craft in itself is very much organic. It's very much alive, so it responds to you. Um, so these kinds of small grays are carrying out these things. Um, I don't often hear that the small grays are very much in connection with what we might identify as higher vibrational races, like let's say, uh, you know, Arcturians or some of these light beings. I don't see, yeah. I don't hear about that combination very much. So I think that they do tend to stick to a, a, a middle to lower vibrational frequency experience for the right. most part. Yeah. So um, that's what we've seen so far and what I've experienced myself. Yes, exactly. And I've even heard people say that sometimes these little grays can be kind of playful. Like the one that I had seen in Waking in the forest, it was kind of like playing hide and seek. Okay. And it yeah. didn't approach me. I don't remember having an experience that night, but it turned into a little boy and then ran away. And I'm like, am I supposed oh. to chase you? Um, well. So obviously I didn't chase because by that time I was like, mm -hmm. what just happened? Like, you know, you want it, you're second guessing what you see. Yeah. Um, and I was older at this point. I know I was probably like preteen when that happened. So. Mm. That was, um, and then I had seen other people's experiences where they're kind of just like poking out of bushes and kind of like, they kind of like observing mm -hmm. and sometimes like they get like a playful vibe from them. So 
Um, but then you're right. Some feel low vibrational. Like there's, and I don't know that it's the beings themselves, especially if they are AI, they're just kind of like working. If you think about it. Yes, exactly. And that's all, that's a really good thing that you brought up because when you say low vibration, people tend to think, Oh my God, it's, it's bad. You know, um, what that means essentially in in this whole universe is, is a lack of, of awareness of the self. So whatever you're doing, you're, you're lacking awareness in what you're doing. And, um, you know, that unconscious disconnect between, let's say, the higher mind and the physical body causes you to do things that can often be parasitic in your behavior. And you might not even know that you're doing that. And and that's even true for us as humans. But in the higher levels, this is the same. They're they're evolving just as much as we are. But we are interconnected and we are one. We are absolutely one. So uh, we are all together moving in that evolutionary process. Um, You know, what what really brings uh, attention is is you know you're talking about the child and this is this is an experience that comes up a lot in the support groups oh wow where when people dream of or or have an experience where they see a child specifically mm-hmm. um that to me is a, is a sign that you have been a part of the hybridization program the um, child looked like the child you drew and a lot of people had seen the extraordinary the seating um mm-hmm. and i saw in the comments earlier that's where they know you from um, but okay. when I watched that, that's when I was like, I need to reach out to her because that child mm-hmm. has appeared over and over again in one wow. way or another. And yeah, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why I was kind of like, when last time we talked, it literally felt like I was getting these sharp, like, like a, like almost like a punch to the stomach, like, oh, like, like this is hitting um, in that kind of way where you're kind of like a, a like an epiphany, like, yeah, oh, okay, like that's happened. That, like, if I had a checklist, I would have checked a lot of things off that have happened to me that you mentioned last time. So wow. it's kind of scary, um, but also interesting. Um, I think that some yeah. people in their experiences, after they've talked about it a little bit, kind of can kind of pull their ego outside of it and their feelings away from it, which is hard to do. It is hard. You kind of see it for what mm-hmm. it is. You know what I mean? And I kind of, you kind of have to like, if these are um, like a AI that are biological as well, like that kind of like sucks for them. Like they don't have like a will if they're just being programmed to do these things. But then that's us like, you know, anthropomorphizing things as well, because maybe that's just not how it is. But it's all it'd be like, you know, we create because we see a lot of people trying to create these um, artificial intelligence now that seem real and using like biological tissue. And that's kind of like the scary thing that people talk about now is us genetically engineering these living AI and them not having a will besides what we give it and then what we're letting them learn. Yeah, well, you know, I think if we if we look at ourselves as a human race, I think a lot of us behave more like artificial intelligence rather than conscious beings anyway, because we are deeply programmed as well. We're deeply, um, you know, we 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 take things as face value and we make that our reality. And I think the more that we understand what reality is. Um, it's a collaboration, it's a co-creation, which means that we have a lot of responsibility in that. And that can that feels like a lot for a lot of people because it means that we have to be completely accountable for every thought that we have, every vibrational uh, emanation that we put out um, in our intention. And so the majority of the day, we're actually walking around in hypnosis. You know, we are not even aware of what we're doing, what why we're doing it. And that is a form of artificial 
being. You are just a, a little body walking around doing the things that you think you're supposed to be doing until something wakes you up from that. So I when I when I see these kinds of beings, you know, at first it was like, wow, what is this? You think that it's even more advanced, more powerful, but in fact there really isn't very much difference between us and these beings because we are all processing again through the same uh, bodily experience. When we come into the three-dimensional plane, we're experiencing contrast, right? We have this dualistic right. experience to everything. And that's what allows us to evolve uh, on all levels, on all dimensional levels. When you get to the highest levels, of course, the laws of the universe begin to shift and change. Um, but, um, the laws of, of the organism, I should say, of, the, of nature, of the, of the multiverse, of creation are, are different because things are moving at a different rate, you know, so we have yeah. to adjust to that. Yeah, so so it's, 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 it's interesting um, when, when we talk about the children specifically because um, women that are having these memories of children, which is a very key memory to hybrid, hybridization, um, and especially when they see the child shifting in shape, like from a gray to a child, or when they see it ch change into another form, I mean, this is this is a, a sign, a very incredible sign, because when you see these children, they really do look like a mixture of DNA. Yeah. They don't look like full human. They look completely different in, in their physiology and they are, the, they can telepathically connect to you and there's exchanges that are happening and so just briefly to cover the process of the hybridization problem usually it begins at a very early age at the age of five for most people and this is men and women mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times there are things that are implanted or they have the first contact experience that's very physical um, until they're ready to have the the child the insemination and the insemination is happening uh it is affecting the physical uh for the most part but it can also happen interdimensionally okay and so as the child is moving through that gestation process um there which is usually sped up it's not usually at the same nine month gestation as we have uh, it is then removed from the body, the fetus, uh, or even the zygote is removed from the body, and then from there, uh, you know, processed into the child whenever the child is ready. And then there's a presentation. So usually women will recall the early experience, and then they will recall the presentation or something from along this process. But every one of these contactees are having some of these things that they remember, the ones that remember. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that was that was a great breakdown. If you guys want to know more about the that specifically, like we talked about that the whole time um, last time she yeah. was on. But thank you for adding that in because some people might be listening just to the audio um, on a new on the new podcast network, but also, you know, maybe not really having time to go on YouTube and research. So thank you for breaking that down. Um, I do have a good question and I saw a couple of good questions that I won't ignore guys. I'll get back to you, but this one kind of like gives a, a nice segue to the next people or being people, the next beings I wanted to ask about. Um, and Nikki Blair has a question and Nikki's actually the person that told me about you. So shout out to Nikki. <laughs> she's like, you have to follow Geraldine. And I was like, it was so funny. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, she's so pretty. And she's so awesome. And she's like, Oh, well, she reminds me of you. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, it must be the uh, that uh, contact glow. I don't know. <laughs> um, so Nikki's question is: Do you feel that the small greys are like soldiers for Draco reptilians? 
That's a great uh, description. And yes, for the most part, people do um, identify them as little soldiers. And so let me just, because, it, you know, it's quite a complex thing. I mean, I, I have been on a draconian, let's say it's like a mothership. In other words, it's, it's the main space uh, system home of them in our galaxy. Um, and when you're there, you know, what, what's the primary goal of these draconian consciousness is war-like, uh, army-like production. You know, they have, they literally have military-like personnels. Um, and then they have these grades. They have a lot of artificial intelligence that's specifically programmed to be very military-like. So in, in other words, this is their directive. That's what they're focused on. And all of their agendas that they're pushing are kind of around this same kind of, uh, you know, end goal control. Um, so these grays, some of these small grays are a part of that, and they are specifically created for that purpose. But on the other hand of that, again, I have seen grays that are participating in Pleiadian groups, for example. In my contact experience alone, I saw tall grays, about seven feet tall, and then I saw short grays, and then I saw humanoid beings all in the same experience. They were all connected, and, and they present themselves as Pleiadian, all of them. See, so I think again that um, probably they're utilized in different species to carry things out, like soldiers, you could say, but more artificially directed. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting, and so um, that uh, in the case that they are taking control, that would be a uh, like a service to self type exactly. Thing. Okay, exactly. Nikki asked that too. So. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the Draco reptilians have a bad reputation. They're known as they have all these conspiracy theories around them. They have all these negative connotations. Um, and it would a lot of people are afraid of them. And I haven't heard a lot of good experiences with them for people what we would consider good or high vibrational or helpful or not afraid or not terrifying. So what do, what did they seem to do um, as far as you've observed as you know with the people you've talked to and support groups and your clients like what are the Draco reptilians doing with the humans right now? Mm -hmm. So uh, again, the Draco reptilians are very much about war. They're very much about military uh, control, um, and they do direct a large majority of the hybridization programs, even within other species uh, directives. And the reason for that is because the main consciousness of Draconian is um, it's, it's everything that's most primal. Um, it is the manifestation of separation, the first original manifestation of separation. So when we look at the, the story of uh, the Book of Enoch, for example, which is a wonderful description of our historic uh, manifestation of, ma of mankind, when we separate from source, uh, and, you know, Yaldabaoth breathes life into all of these, uh, you know, beings, into the Archons. From that manifestation of the Archons would be these Draconian-like beings, which is what we're experiencing here. But it's, and, and from the Draconians then came out other species like the Lyrans, uh, which were also one of the oldest races that were very much involved in the hybridization programs, and the Pleiadians, which worked primarily in uh, sexual energy and um, and the hybridization and 
working of manifestation of, of life forms. So as you can see, each one of these species play a role in the evolution of, of consciousness from its most primal into its most expansive. And it's not to say that it's, again, the species are, you know, fine line, this is good, this is bad, right. because eventually, as with everything, it evolves into a mixture and right. we are one. And so the primary directive of, of these beings is to create, uh, let's say, armies that can be controlled. They do so, they create uh, artificial, um, what is it called, uh, cloning, cloning. They, they handle the majority of the cloning programs um, and participated in the seeding of this planet, of course. Mm -hmm. And in this, in the, the, the influence of these draconian uh, thought forms affects humans in our in our own architecture of the body and the own architecture of how we um, how we carry ourselves in what we know as the matrix the matrix is the artificial overlay of reality that we are we are uh, you know experiencing exploring yeah. and a lot of these draconians are the ones that are managing this what we know as a shadow of government what we know as this uh, you know, all of these very behind the scene military groups and directives that you would never be able to find even if you try to research or Google right, right. anywhere because um, they're very covert and they manage and manipulate things on the other side. But in the same way that there exists this kind of uh, consciousness, there is also the other side of that, right, which is more expansive and more light. What makes them unique is that their expression is very much parasitic. As you said, service to self. When, when, when any organism is service to self, it needs to take from something else in order to survive. So this is the essentially the, the focus of these species. Uh, and, any, and it becomes the focus of any organism that contains large amounts of this bloodline within them. So, for example, a lot of these very ancient preserved bloodlines that are mainly in the heads of control in our society are holding large amounts of this bloodline within them. And it's heavily, heavily preserved historically. And that's something you can look up too, right? You can go on to, yeah. I can't remember what genetic database it is, but somebody had, um, I was watching a documentary and they pulled it up and it, they literally like, it's a family tree of all these leaders going back to yes, as far is. as we can track. So yes, it is very much so. But it's not to say that we're all so free of that because in yeah. us, we also have that literally we have what we call the reptilian brain and the system yeah. of primal survival. That is uh, the expression of this draconian consciousness within us you know um so in other words we're not separate from that people want to say oh i'm definitely mm -hmm. don't want to have anything to do with that right. but if you're having those experiences it means that you have a lot of that primal survival uh programs within you and so that needs to be addressed in order to end those kinds of experiences that you're calling into your space essentially yeah that makes a lot of sense and i had even had like a sleep paralysis event with a reptilian that was like, it's because I started going down the reptilian rabbit hole at one point and was learning about all like the scary things and like, you know, the conspiracy type things. And I don't think that all conspiracies are conspiracies for the record. I think that there's a lot, if you actually read a lot about it, you'll find like, oh, wow, like this all kind of snaps together and makes sense. But 
this one reptilian that was in my dream was basically telling me and telling me like telepathically that um, we're not all bad and there is like a small amount of us trying to fight the bad ones with you basically so that was a good dream with the reptilian <laughs> oh interesting so, yeah um, and it was well, after i visited a cave in missouri too uh -huh. and like being a medium and an empath like i felt like i was being watched the whole time it was super weird and then this is before i learned about all the weird underground cave stuff um that's happening uh, yeah. so um yeah it was that's a good one i mean i've had a scary reptilian dreams before but my scary experience has mostly been with the grays, which now we're learning do different jobs. And they kind of remind me of like, this is a horrible, horrible thing to say, but almost like a Roomba. Like everybody buys a Roomba and they're using it for different areas of their house. Like it's like the grays are like, like you can just, it feels almost like they just kind of are used for whatever they need to be used for. Mm -hmm. so yes. That's another yes. interesting thing. And, and so I have another great question and this is something people won't talk about because people often say your dreams are just dreams, but what makes us human is our consciousness and we cannot discount it so easily anymore, especially with more and more science being done around consciousness and entanglement and other things like that. And so the question is, Geraldine, is it possible for contact or abduction to happen during a dream? Or can it feel like a dream? Yes, absolutely. And this is the thing that sometimes is very hard for people that are not, you know, have a hard time believing this contact experience. They say, oh, it must have been a dream. You know, but we need to understand what dreams are. Dreams are you leaving your physical body and what you're doing in the rest of your body, uh, you know, which is multidimensional. You are multi. That's something that we really need to start to program ourselves. Uh, the chakra system of the body is a spherical system uh, that is actually projecting externally and it's, it becomes a filter for the things that we experience. Everything that we're storing that we in, in our genetic information is holographically projected and organized within each one of the layers of our, of our multidimensional body. So when you're in dream time, you're leaving the physical because the physical is resting. You go into this REM state in which your vibrational frequency begins to spin your energetic field begins to spin faster than it does during the daytime. And that allows you to begin to leave through the vortex of your, your eighth chakra and begin to explore eighth, ninth, tenth, up to 11th dimension. Some people that are very, uh, very awake, very working on themselves. Uh, the more, the more shadow work you do, the more work with the first three chakras you do, the higher you're capable of, of, uh, of going. But, in regular, the majority of us are within the eighth, ninth dimension. What is there? So the same way we have our morphogenetic field, this field around the body, uh, the earth also has the same thing. And we are, uh, it has its own holographic DNA, which stores the information of all the human organisms through history and the activities that they've done. And those are stored within the eighth. That's, that's where we start merging with earth. We, we merge with earth in the center of the earth through the body energetically, and we merge to earth through the eighth, ninth, tenth, and then beyond that goes up into higher dimensional planes. But we reach and we are merging with that uh, Akashic field is what they call, right? It's, it's a record of information. You begin to explore that, and that's where you can find fragments of yourself. You begin to access interdimensional aspects of yourself, ET aspects of yourself. That's where you're exploring. So what's happening is that you're reading your records and you begin to access activity in that. 
abduction activities uh, and memories, if you are training yourself to be conscious in waking time, you will have a lot of lucid dreaming, which means that you know that you're dreaming in the dream, you become aware of what you're dreaming, and oftentimes you can even direct what you're doing there. So a contact experience is very much like that. You're becoming completely conscious, but literally a lot of times it'll affect the physical. So anything that they do to the physical body, let's say they put an implant in the body, you're gonna feel it and you will have marks sometimes. Um, you will remember or you won't remember what happened. The more conscious you are, the more you remember. So um, it's it's very, uh, you know, important to understand that your dream time is actually where the human is doing the most important activity of, of its human life because it's exploring other dimensional aspects of itself. And we have way more life and more activity, more going on in these other higher dimensions at all times than we do in our physical, than we allow, because uh, most of the time we're not conscious and we don't even know how to direct this vessel until we're completely present. So dream is, is, is incredibly important. Um, I also want to say just really briefly that a way that you can kind of look at that is, you know, the military uh, created this experiment that when they were training pilots to handle G-force, you know, they put them inside of these little training, um, I forget the name of this machine where they begin to train for that G-force. And what they found is that if they, if they speed it up to higher, higher speeds, uh, the person passes out. The, then the next step is the person passes out and begins to dream. Then they wake wow. them up and they're fine. But what happens if you keep spinning that person inside that that, that uh, machine is that it literally dies and the people start to have near-death experiences. Wow. So what that's helping us understand is that there's a process, there's a veil between the body that the body begins to leave at higher levels of vibrational frequency. That's essentially what's happening when you're rotating the physical body. So we go from wake to dream to death. This is this is the process, and those are different level states of consciousness. That's all they are, um, you know. So so we're navigating. We're doing a lot in those planes. Definitely makes me feel less crazy because I taught a dream class last summer and. It was like, that was kind of what I talked to. It was like, your dreams are a way to access other realms, other dimensions. Yes. Each one, you know, there's like a, we think of it as a layer, like a layer cake, but it's not. It's all embedded within one another. Yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's actually quite, it's, yeah, it's hard to, to, it's very spherical. In fact, it's all happening simultaneously. So there is no time. Right. Time is not linear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for those of you like about to tune out, because this might got a little bit too much uh, weirdness for you. And I, when I say weird, I mean, it as a compliment, just so you know, I'm not thinking unless I'm <laughs> like, I like, weird, like that, that means like good to me. <laughs> um, you have to remember that uh, the CIA did study, you know, the holographic reality in their gateway process paper. And they talk about how when we reach a certain, our brain waves reach a certain point in, um, you know, the, the, the sine and cosine waves that we actually blip out of reality. So if our brain waves change in our sleep to that certain point, what is reality after that? It's not governed by gravity because it's not a physical place. So, and then you mentioned the Akashic, the Akashic field or the Akashic realm. How is that any different from the quantum field that we're studying in quantum mechanics? 
it's not. So um, that's just my two cents. <laughs> no, thank you so much. That's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. It is essentially the quantum field. This is it's so, one. Yeah, there, there is like if you look at it the right way and people were like, oh, well, that's pseudoscience. There's a lot of papers about it. Just the holographic reality yeah. um, expressed in that gateway analysis paper. It was it, it blew people's mind and I still see it popping up everywhere. Um, they're like the CIA uh, studied holograms, you know, <laughs> or holographic realities. They're not the oh, only yeah. ones. Oh, yeah. Michu Kaku has a book about it too. So not about that specifically, about um like other realms. So oh um, yeah. And and I'd love for you to check out Freddie Silva's work. Uh, I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he is uh he talks about the ancient ruins up in Northern Ireland uh and also in Egypt, which were designed in order to create this kind of uh chambers. Uh, the same thing, creating spiral energy vortex, vortices, just like these kinds of centrifugal movement that's happening in order for the soul to leave the physical body. That's exactly what that was for. And this is ancient, ancient technology that they've been training. The Egyptians talked about the afterlife. The Tibetans talked about the afterlife and how important it was. Um, so that's where we have all of these ancient, uh, you know, cultures and religions that base a lot of information on that. So we're so much activity in those realms that we need to learn to master. In fact, right. I think it's one of the most important things that human need to do. We need to train lucid dreaming and we need to prepare essentially for death because that's actually uh, where free will begins to really matter. It, you know, what we're choosing constantly between love and fear, we're choosing between creation um, and counter creation. And we do so on all these dimensional levels. Yes, I and I I have known that for a very long time. I, I don't know if it's like you said in my genetics, you know, my grandma yeah. was a medium, my dad's side was Native American. And I didn't get to hang out with the Native American side a lot because you know, divorce and all that. But um I still felt a connection to like the nature of magic. And I was always been felt, even though I was Catholic, um, felt more in tune in a different way. And especially after having the experiences as a child in kindergarten when I was five that definitely um, changed everything. Even if I didn't realize it then, it was like, I've never felt like in place with other people. So that's, I've just always been very curious about belief systems and, you know, the ancient religions and people keep saying, oh, we're discovering this and that. And I'm like, you're remembering, buddy. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're remembering. Exactly. And you're, exactly. just, you're just using physics talk now or science talk to help you understand it. But it's almost like we're doing like do you ever feel like we're doing like a loop like we started in the ancient world right and we knew all this and then it's like we got away from it and now we're coming full circle and starting to understand it again is what yeah. it feels like to so, me so true i'm so glad that you you recognize that because essentially you're you're recognizing the pattern of nature you know because everything is in that spiral form everything is cyclical um everything from the way that our body is regenerating internally to the way you know we, we energetically function, to the way humanity functions and moves as well. I believe there's a beautiful film on that, and I can't remember. I think it's Samsara. I think I think where it talks about or it shows like the patterns of, of human. You know, everything is a pattern. Um, even how plants develop, how organisms develop, there's an order to that, and that's yeah. kind of um, you know. Tomorrow I'll be I'll be talking about the morphogenetic field uh, with with Alan Steinfeld, Marina. Sir. Oh, and 
Bill Groover, yeah. And, uh, you know, this is exactly what we're going to be talking about because precisely these patterns in uh, have this kind of organ self-organizing intelligence that already knows how things need to be. So there's an order and balance to nature. Things that destruct that balance are leading to death. And so we need to kind of know how to recognize what are we contributing in society that's that's leading to death? You know, in the food right. that we're eating, in the societies, things that we're contributing to. Um, that's really important to to take a look at now more than ever. Exactly, and even like biologic, biologically, the way organisms form exactly. is exactly. a tube. Exactly. Everybody starts with this little tube of cells, and that's this in your lower extremity. <laughs> but um, it's not ironic that in energy work, we learn that there's the column of light that some call the, oh God, I always have problems, Sushumna. And some people just call it the, you know, your light core, or, you know, it's almost like it anchors other energy centers in place. But the, it's, a, we all form that way too. So it's interesting yes. when you learn, um, and that's ancient stuff too. So it's not like they were able to see at like a microscopic level, like, what your your energy column look like um but that's how we develop like biologically too so that's interesting yeah to think about um laura has a great question and i've often wondered this myself um and she wants to know if you think that children that are allowed to be kept um after these sorts of hybridization like inseminations are are the children themselves if they keep a child in this realm are they hybrids Yes, absolutely. And um, there are many women that end up having a dream and experience of having an insemination or some kind of contact experience, and then they become pregnant, like almost quite soon, right after that. Um, perfect timing for that pregnancy. And um, even women that have not been partnered become pregnant after that contact experience, like what happened in my experience. Um, and, you know, you end up with these pregnancies and, and some of them carry it out to full term, depending on the agreement of that experience. So this is where you start to really understand that the kind of agreements that we make, you know, they transcend our human understanding. They transcend our current life timeline, even um, as we know it. Uh, you know, and the children that we're bringing in are very much uh, star children anyway. Every single child is a hybrid child that comes in. Every human is a hybrid because we are we are all coming from Mesopotamia. Uh, you know, we have this origin point and then uh, we are holding this cocktail of DNA within us. And so um, with these hybrid children, some of these children are born with a memory of their past lives like like you. Priscilla, you know, and like like many other children that are remembering their lives on other planets, ET contact, you know, these different species, you know, this incredible understanding of like interdimensionality and quantum uh, science even. They remember that at the age of three, eight years old, they're talking about these things. So these are children that are highly awake, highly activated, and um, it they are a product of evolution because the entire universe is constantly moving. And, and I think you actually asked me that earlier, but evolution is, is constantly moving. We are all evolving. And so whatever is being produced through the hybridization program, because there are thousands of hybridization programs, and in the terrestrial program is also a hybridization program because we are allocated into families through vibrational resonance. So that is also a naturally directed union that there's a purpose for that. 
you know, and and again, remember this whole organize this whole organism called uh, Earth Matrix, the multiverse, is also self organizing in that in that way. Everything is falling exactly where it needs to be. Every single soul that comes incarnates into the Earth has a purpose, has a specific role as part of that whole. Um, so that's a very important question that you asked. Uh, thank you for asking that. Yeah, that's a. Uh... That makes a lot of sense. And it, it makes a lot of sense how the world is changing. Um, just more like, um, you know, uh, the way people are like accepting of certain things now that they would not accept before. Now, I know a lot of people that give the younger generation, like I knew a lot of witches that were mad that these young girls were getting into witchcraft. And I'm like, no, like, and I don't mean naughty witchcraft, like dark magic. I mean, like, you know, um, working with plants and energy to create an outcome. And so, you know, I feel like witches that aren't, you know, connected to like the lower vibrational practices are very much like, you know, kind of like light workers or they're working with the world around them to create outcomes. But there was a lot of witches mad that these girls were getting involved in they thought it was a trend, but not all of it's going to be a trend. Do you realize that when I was young, we couldn't go into a store and buy crystals. You had to order them. You know what I mean? Or you had to wait till you went to a little one of those little shops uh, like that are always like in the tourist areas where you fill a bag like those. <laughs> so right. I think that just even simple things like that, like you cannot go into a store nowadays without finding some sort of crystal or, you know, new age type thing as some people would call it, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that alone. And then we, again, like people don't trust the government. They don't, they don't trust the UFO office that's being made or UIP office. But at the same time, I feel like it's progress because more people, that wouldn't have paid attention before are going to pay attention that do trust the government. So, and it's agencies. I know the government's like an umbrella term, but yes, I think the world is definitely, and just think about like all the people doing meditation now, which is a big thing. Cause that's how you get out of this. You know what I mean? You have right. to meditate to get out of your, the discomfort that the world might bring you sometimes. There's exactly. some nights where I'm just so like wound up tight from like having to live, you know, on earth. <laughs> That if you can't go to sleep sometimes because it's almost like usually if you're doing a good meditation, if it's guided, um, they'll kind of have you release like energy that you've collected throughout the day. And I know you do this on your meditations. So if you guys are looking for some good like energy work meditations, please go to Geraldine's um, YouTube. She's got like hundreds. I, I say hundreds, but it's got to be over a hundred different meditations. I think, yeah, yeah. I think it is a couple it's hundred. Like yeah. But when yeah, you're doing good guided meditation, they'll always kind of give you like almost like an anchoring exercise, and then there's like a release of energy, so you can make room for, you know, the the healing energy or, you know, the good feeling energy that's coming in. So. Exactly. I think my primary focus now is to help train people to learn how to work with their multidimensional body, because as you said, it's the secret, it's the key um, to learning how to navigate. If you, but you can't navigate and you can't, uh, you know, master other dimensional planes if you can't master this physical body. This physical body is the key. So you have to yeah. want to be in the body. And a lot of people right now, because of the stress and the uh, a lot of uh, 
unknown that we're experiencing collectively, we don't want to be in the body because we have to feel the stress that we're feeling, the fears, you know, all those things. And so it's incredibly important um, to not come into that state in the body. When, and because also we are, we are collectively co-creating, again, like we said at the beginning, um, you know, and we want to participate in the healing, not just of yourself. When you heal yourself, you heal the collective. You're healing your ancestral lineage. Um, and the more integrated every one person becomes, you know, it's like a, a beam of light that begins to affect everything around it. So, so it's it's so important. And meditation is an absolute. It should be it should be mandatory for every human, just like brushing your teeth. Right. You know, it should be meditation because it's energetic hygiene, and it's what will help you not sit in in stagnant emotions or unconscious aspects of yourself. So that's it's so important. Yeah, even on just like a physiological level, like I knew a nurse when I used to do hair, like she was studying, um, you know, the different types of like we'll just say yogic breathing because there's so many different types of breathing um, that you can do to basically massage your vagus, which, you know, is your kind of like regulates your fight or flight, your stress, um, your vagal tone is like when you're worked up, basically. So she was studying that. And even if you're just doing it for your healthy body, it's going to have like an energetic, you know, benefit. But I, I definitely go in with like, I feel like I'm doing more like a energetic work. And a lot of people are now because you know, it helps your body. So what, what else are you doing it for? Right. Um, so even like, I feel like the nuts and bolts people should meditate too, because they, they like to have it in a box again saying, oh, well, that's woo woo. And I'm like, well, you know, it's good for your body, even if you don't believe in all the other stuff. So just do it. Oh, do yeah. It. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think our society is more uh, welcoming. I mean, we here in the Silicon Valley, you know, we we have major uh, groups that are teaching mindfulness in the corporate offices because and it, that's it, your it, other that's your business, right? And not to interrupt, yeah. but you even if you didn't do any of this energy stuff, even if you didn't do all the f support you do for contactees, uh, in the in everyday life, people still can benefit from you. Because you do um, meditation seminars for corporate people, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, the amazing, beautiful thing about that, Priscilla, is that since 2008, I mean, there are probably like 20 different meditation centers that have opened up here in, in the Bay Area, you know, alone. And I know that it's it's all, I mean, I've seen it in New York. I've seen it in Texas. I've seen it in L.A. People are definitely more open to it. And I think it's kind of like, it's amazing when you look at, you know, yoga, everything from even um, all of these health food things that are coming into mainstream mm -hmm. now, you know, people are, are becoming more mindful and um really, uh, you know, what causes mind control, what causes people to be manipulated by their own fear is the fact that they are disconnected from themselves. So the more that we're in the body, the more that we know how to manage our emotions and control them, no, nothing can manipulate you, nothing can harm you in the external world. So it really is the most powerful protection. If you if you would like to be protected, uh, you believe you need protection, it's, it's the self that provides that for yourself. Yes, absolutely. I had a yoga teacher. Um, after my brother died, I went on this crazy like yoga, like that was how I was handling things. Um, so I was, I was, there was nights where I was doing like two, three hours of yoga to try and escape my body. And it did help spiritually, like it opened me up a lot. Yeah. Um, but I had to leave and I couldn't leave. So that was the closest to leaving I could get is through the breath work and the yoga. Mm -hmm. So 
I remember he would always say, if you control your breath, you control your mind. If you control your mind, you control reality. Yes. So mm -hmm. um, his name, he was online, but I, um, he had like, um, his name is Travis Elliott. So shout out Travis Elliott if you ever see this. Like I need to get him on because I love him and mm -hmm. his wife. They do these amazing yoga. They think they're in Southern California. Oh, nice. But they did, um, they really, they do like a lot of digital yoga and they have like a physical practice too. But anyways, um, that, that reminds me of that saying, because it's true. Like even, mm -hmm. even like athletes know this, Yes. if you control yeah. your breath, you control your state of mind and then you control your mind. You control how you're running, how you're performing. And that's for everybody. That's yeah. from doing the dishes to wiping the baby's butt to, you know, um, doing whatever it is you do throughout the day. So, exactly. Um, you know, I think the ones that practice most of these things are, are in the 1% actually, because they're the most successful. They know uh, what, what creates success. And it's funny because a lot of this information wasn't available to the general public until more recently. But when you look at these 1%, they're, oh, they're meditating, they are doing the Qigong, they're doing everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and they're succeeding and they're having this vibrant life. And, and you know, we, the the, pot, the the mass, the rest of us, the 99%, that's why we talk about this mass movement that we're in right now. We are waking up now and we're implementing that into our lives. So we'll see what we look like, uh, you know, four or five years from now when things really change. Yeah, that would be, it's going to be amazing to see and see our little ones growing up in a world like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I did have one more type of being that I wanted to talk about. Now, we kind of went off. We are talking about past lives. We're talking about energy work. We're talking about meditation. But if you know my show, it, I like it to be a conversation. I'm not like we have to talk about A, B, C, and D. Back to the bullets. Back to the bullet points, you know. But um, another being I did have a question about, and we did talk about out-of-body experiences sort of and death and people, you know, leaving their bodies. It's like dreaming and then death. Out-of-body experiences, people experience sometimes light beings. And people also experience, they have very high vibrational, like I, I say it's like sleep paralysis, but good ones, like a good sleep paralysis where they are in contact with these light beings. Um, mm -hmm. At one, one time I had taken too much uh, mushroom medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if I actually left my body or if my consciousness was just showing me something either way it was real and i learned from it but there was light beings there oh, and wow. i had seen them a couple other times in my life but they looked more like angels mm -hmm. and this right. time though, they mm -hmm. were just like these like a, like a human outline but uh light so wow. they were saying like you could come with us but they gave me like a montage of like my kids and all this craziness. So oh my God. I, I got really sick before that happened and passed out. So oh. I don't know what actually happened. I'm still here. Like <laughs> nobody. Thank God. Thank so, God. <laughs> so obviously I was just going to go, but it was uh, it was a pretty scary thing at the time. But then I was like, who are these light beings? Because they always seem to pop up in like uh, major life transition times and uh -huh. okay. um, or like a spiritual awakening. Even I feel like that's a life transition. Mm -hmm. um, like a, a, if somebody dies and you're at this weird emotionally charged state, they appear then. Mm -hmm. So what are these light beings doing? And are they associated with any sort of, you know, type of non-human intelligence or ET? Um, you know what? These light beings are from the higher realms beyond. So, so 11, 12, 13, these light beings are coming from there. And then the angelic realm is usually the 11th and 12th. 
um, and then 12, 13. And of course, there are infinite dimensional layers that we can have access to. But right now, our Earth is moving through the 13th. So that's why we have more access to that one right now. Um, but um, so that being said, uh, light beings, um, and, and this is where I began to really question uh, free will, because a lot of people that are having contact experiences and they're negative, they think, oh, where's my free choice? You know, I'm a victim of this. Yeah, I feel violated. <laughs> um, exactly. So when I started to research that, um, and I began to also travel into these realms to try to figure that out, what I what I realize is the laws of the universe function in this way. Um, higher vibrational beings, you know, they don't interfere because they respect that law of free will. Um, but the, the beings that are more surface to self, um, they, tend, they tend to create all kinds of little scenarios and experiences where the exchange isn't always balanced. So do they violate people's free will, some of the lower vibrational um, entities? Because there are people who say, like, you agreed to have your will violated. And there's people that aren't even, like, on that wavelength of thinking. And they're just like, no, I was taken from my bed. This and this happened. And it was bad. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, so yeah. And that's exactly the question that I had. And when, when you understand what the morphogenetic field is, when you understand that we are, as an organism, one, you need to understand that there is no separation. So, in fact we direct these these events from the higher level even though to the human that is barely awake in his waking life now comes into this next dimension and has to experience something completely out of the unknown we're always going to feel fear in those experiences we're always going to feel uncomfortable um, and so when they're more compassionate experiences we're going to experience that, that compassion but they are directed from the highest level and it's you on your highest expression that is wanting to push yourself out of just the limitation of the three-dimensional plane. This is part of the evolution, but we're going to be experiencing it more collectively now because more people need to because of where we are at in the movement of this multiverse. We're entering higher dimensional planes, so the next level from the 3D is these next uh, dimensions that you can interdimensionally interact outside of the physical. And so that's what ETs, interdimensional beings, and light beings are. Um, but the way that they interact with you, the way you're interacting with yourself through them, um, is that the light beings will usually not interfere and are close to you or make you do anything, they, they are an aspect of your, of your higher self that you are interacting with. So usually it won't be something negative, it'll be something high vibrational. People experience healings from this. Um, there's a wonderful researcher, Preston Dennett, who researches the healing of, U of UFOs, the healing of contact experience. And he goes into all of these different realms where there are hundreds and hundreds of contact experiences of healings that are also taking place. So you see, there's many different sides to it, and it's good to inform ourselves on all, all of them so we can get a clear picture of what this reality could potentially mean. Um, so these orbs um, is light body. A lot of the spacecrafts, as a matter of fact, these spaceships that we, we call them, these UFOs are actually... You read my mind. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they are UFOs. They, they are these lights. And 
you know, because there's no time and space and they master the ability to move through this dimension, um, they can change in size, they can turn into little orbs. Um, I have seen literally them in, in my room, you know, at night, um, and then they leave. And you also change in size when you're in the craft with them because they master matter or yeah, what we think of it that way. Yeah, so so you change in size and in order to move faster, in order to move beyond the speed of light, you know, you, you have to change in size because mass obviously is going to slow you down. So they move and they this is organic. This is organic and it's very it's it's consciousness being creating a shape essentially. And so this these light beings um sometimes they are the shift, sometimes it's the being themselves that comes and interacts with you. Um, sometimes it heals you. So, um, yeah, they, they do all kinds of things, these these orbs and these lights. It's interesting. There was a gentleman on, I think, TikTok. Somebody sent me the video, and I wish I would have saved it. But he was talking about how he saw an orb coming towards him, and it came in front of his face, and he's like, and I ate it. And I wish I wouldn't have ate it because it was not happy. That I <laughs> it could, can you imagine just eating this poor light, light being that's uh, sentient? Then it never came back. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't either if you suck me up in your mouth. <laughs> so funny. But that's, uh, it's funny that some people, how everybody reacts differently to them. Um, some people think they're spirits or some people think they're demons. Sometimes maybe it's both depending on, you know, yeah. I've never really experienced a demonic uh, glowing ball of light. Um, usually they're like the more shadowy figure type things or mad looking balls of light. I don't know how to explain it in their way. They're darker, like almost like sometimes they're deep red, like the uh, yes, exactly. ones, mean ones, yes. whatever you want to call it. I, I hear about those all the time in my support group. So, so again, I think that the darker side does have the same ability, you know. So, so and I've seen it myself in my own experience. I've seen little red lights that literally show up in your space and they will be all around, you know, just in the middle of the night in the darkness. Yeah, they just feel like intimidating almost. Um, yeah, the energy is definitely different. Yes, you, you definitely feel differently around them. You know, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, they're around us all the time. That's another oh, yeah. thing I want to tell you. I mean, we're honestly in this sea of, of beings. Right. You know, we're all embedded time. within dimensions. What I try to other day tell people, yeah. like, the spirit realm is, heaven's not up. The spirit realm's not up. It, it might be a higher vibration, but it's, it's parallel with us. And right. it's hard to wrap yeah. your, your mind around, but um, I've experienced um, that in a, uh, like a, it was like a drum, it was like a cacao ceremony. And I experienced these like simultaneous realities um and they were like basically showed me because they don't you're not going to hear it in words when you get these visions they're going to show you right. so yeah um that's very interesting wow um yeah that that's the other thing I, I wanted to really add to that was that um you know when people take pictures it comes out sometimes that's why people when people have a large arc field they see little orbs in their body i see them all the time it's really beautiful some of them even have shapes you know they have like bodies um, and it's your essence that's that's being captured in, in that image. I love that. And then sometimes you'll see it like in waking life. If you're working on that, you'll see um, like there was a guy um, giving a lecture one time. Because then when you move to Alaska with the army, they give you the whole um, don't be an idiot in Alaska because the cold will kill you talk. So during that whole thing, there was like one man that came up and it's almost like he had this like healing, like, like he was, a, he was a healer. He didn't know it. He was like a, 
he was an he was a psychologist that did like free you know like um you know a lot of people um getting psychological treatment still stigmatized so he was he is they're called inflax and what they do is you can meet them anywhere and there's no record of it and all that so he had like this glowing light and then there was another guy that came up and he was very like kind of like crass like manly and i was like he has a black thing on his head so like i was like seeing i think i was seeing there his, their auras but i don't see them all the time i can't just see anybody i see i i rec i see healers auras okay or wow. if they have a being next to them or a guide i see that being's aura yeah. um, but i also see it if they're trying to hurt people and there might be low vibrational with their intents um yeah. so wow that's amazing um but i wish i could see everybody's but if i i do i can read people's energy like it was almost like a party trick last time I got my hair done, which was like a million years ago. But um, she's, I did hers one time. She's like, oh, do the, do the energy thing. And I was like, okay, like I got these foils in my hair. And I'm like, well, maybe they'll have some, <laughs> their antenna now. <laughs> um, so I just, with their permission, can tap into their energetic field and get so much information about them. There um, you go. So, and there I do go. readings, but I do energy readings. And the color will kind of come to me. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the same thing, but I'm not, I don't see it with my that's eyes. But then some people will be like, oh, you don't see auras with your eyes, eyes, you see it with your third eye. So that's a right. whole new conversation. Yeah. We that's so oh. amazing. I would love to have that conversation because yeah, that's so beautiful that you, that you see that. I honestly think everyone can, we just have to, oh, yeah, and we have to trust ourselves, you know, to do it. Some yeah. people don't love themselves because they're so, um, you know, I don't know if people that are very scientific have to see to believe and they have to touch it and feel it and smell it and you know yeah, <laughs> yeah some people yeah so. but do i think we're learning we're learning little by little uh what it means what reality is the more you understand what reality is the easier it is to understand these concepts and the whole reality thing could be another hour and 15 minutes because yeah. <laughs> um so you're definitely oh, yeah. we'll have to come back for past life stuff um because that's something Oh yeah, that would be fun. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna keep having you on every third month. <laughs> Our try every three times a year. Um, uh -huh. So, do you have to. time for one more question? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so Curious George says, so if your higher self can agree to something that seems bad, why do higher beings not make you have bad experiences? Let me read that again. So, so I'm trying to understand. Can agree. So if your higher self can agree to something that seems bad, why do higher beings not make you have bad experience? Okay, yes, great experience. Uh, great question, sorry. Um, okay, so is it, what are we here? What are we here? Uh, what, is, what is the soul? What is the human experience? The human experience is to experience. Um, what does that mean? You as a part, as a fractal of infinite consciousness, the infinite consciousness, which we call source, is experiencing through all of its millions and infinite fractals. You are that infinite fractal. And in that infinite fractal, you are also a fractal within another fractal. Your, your, your um, hologram that creates the body of you is only one of many fractals of yourself that are experiencing other aspects of yourself. 
and of, of, of the different realms that you're participating. So you, in another dimensional plane, you're, let's say, an Arcturian. In another dimensional plane, you're a Draconian. All of these parts are playing out experiences in their own. All of those experiences is feeding into the source this information, this experience. Experience is 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 occurring through contrast in this three-dimensional plane but in the higher realms there doesn't need to be that contract there's a different right. con construct to reality we don't understand that when i went into those higher levels i thought there is no point in talking about this to humans because we it just it does there's no point we wouldn't be able to fit it into our lives it wouldn't affect us it, it just it doesn't mix so that being said there must be infinite manifestations of of life forms and consciousness in the organism multi-organism that we participate in so contact experience like this we're here to experience all the ranges from good to bad and all of our fractals are exploring mul multitude of things. Um, and the reason why we choose, and so the law of free will states that no one is to interfere with your free will. But free will, what is that? You're constantly choosing in this experience between what is good to the individual and what is good for the collective. This is, this is all your free will comes down to because you are part of a collective. There is no disconnect between yourself and the greater organism, the organism, the earth, the, the movement of the, of the earth and, and the purpose of earth is playing a role in your choices. And it's the same in interdimensional realms with ETs. Um, you're playing certain roles there. You might be part of a hybridization program in order to create some being that's gonna come in later to do something else in this big picture. Right. So the everything is as it should be, whether, you know, and I know that can be sometimes hard to believe with the kind of perception that we have in this world, but everything is functioning as it should be. Your participation is whether you're expanding and creating or destructing. And all of your choices affect all of your other fragments and what the whole is experiencing through you. Um, and that's really what it's about. You know more so than thinking um you know i'm powerless or it's just we need yeah. to get that out and just understand actually how much power you have it's magnificent in this uh experience yeah and it's all relative like if you never experienced a loss of power you might not ever realize how powerful you are too so yeah that's yeah. something i've learned through a lot of painful experiences um you're strong <laughs> you know you're powerful and strong yeah. you yeah. may not have realized it if everything was you know, a bed of roses for you, you would not, it would just be like the same, you know, and you wouldn't know how good you have it or mm -hmm. how powerful you are if you didn't have to fight. So yeah. um, that's well, the way yeah. I see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, we are over the hour. Thank you so much for, for, you know, hanging out longer than planned. Um, Thank what you, do you have coming up next? I saw that you had um, another, um, you do, are they called challenges, meditation challenges, or are they just called meditation workshops where you do, um, you do like 30 days? Yeah. Something. 
I don't have a new one yet, but I have the one that I just finished that you guys can check out. And you can also replay the one before that. They're a little different, addressing different things. Um, but I will be starting a new series of information where I break down all of these different things that I talk oh. about um, in small doses. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so there are actually a lot of really great conferences that you can catch me at and, and a lot of wonderful friends that will be speaking as well. Uh, tomorrow we're doing the Morphogenesis, uh, let's say, roundtable, and that's going to be on new realities and also Portal to Ascension with Neil Gower. And I will also be at his conference, Portal to Ascension, at the end of March. Uh, at the beginning of March, I'll be at Rob Yox's uh, conference. It's going to be 111 speakers, I think. It's like one oh, of the wow. largest Huge. metaphysical conferences ever. Um, and then the second part of March, I will be in Sedona, actually in person, uh, oh. for and Ross's conference. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah. I wish I could just like meet you there. I feel like, bye I kids, bye husband. Let's go to, I'm going to Sedona. He'd probably be afraid I wouldn't come back. He's like, you can't go to Sedona. You're going to join like a UFO cult or something or a yoga cult. I'm like, exactly. probably right. Oh, I, I so wish to meet you soon. But yeah, we so will, it, we will. Yeah. Um, so if you guys want to follow Geraldine, I have her website in the description. So if you want to find out what she does and all your social media stuff is on that website as well. So if you want to follow her, contact her, you can follow her there. Um, and her website has all the information about what she does. You post a lot on Instagram about your current events, like the like um, the conferences that you do. A lot of that's going to be on her Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So if you like Ger what Geraldine says, you want to do some of her meditations, which I recommend. There's something for everybody on there go to her channel and subscribe. She's always got new content. And if you're looking for somebody to help you kind of like unwind at the end of the day, pick a meditation and do it. If you're looking to expand your light, which is a meditation series that I'm kind of like in the middle of right now, um, you're going to start feeling lighter, like you would feel lighter and you'll be more in contact with your intuitiveness. So go check her meditations out on her channel. If you like this channel, whether you're listening on Anomalous Podcast Network, or on YouTube, please subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. Um, and in my links below, I have other ways you can support the channel. So thank you so much for tuning in. And Geraldine, can you hang out for a second after yes. this? Yeah. All yeah. right, everybody in the chat, thank you so much. If I didn't get to your questions, um, I can go back through and kind of take note of them, or you can send me questions um, next time I can ask. All right. Have a good one, guys. I'll see you soon.